Nashville and beyond. What it is. Happy Easter. Just another Sunday in Ghost Town. But I feel pretty happy. I need to go to the store and get me some Cadbury, Cadbury mini eggs. That's my jam on Easter. Not the cream filled ones. Those are too heavy for me. I like the mini chocolate filled candy shell Cadbury mini eggs. No peeps, please. <laughs> All right. Let's focus on some music here. We have a return guest today. The, the Cure for part two. Gonna wrap it up today as best as possible. We left off with the pornography record. And uh, this period saw the band in some turmoil, inner conflict, uh, most notably between bass player Simon Gallup and frontman guitar player Robert Smith. And I'm sure Lowell Tolhurst, the drummer, had his beef as well. And them with him. It was just not a good time. Heavy drug use and a lot of uh, pressure of an evolving band. This marked the end of their gloomy period. Uh, Smith wanted to trash the cure altogether. Apparently him and Gallup did not speak for 18 months after uh, Gallup's departure. Um, he left the band at the conclusion of their tour for the pornography record. That was it for then anyway. And, um, you know, his departure along with Smith's ever-increasing contribution to Susie and the Banshees left people wondering what's up with the cure. And Smith himself was even uncertain at that point, but... The label fiction was like, hey, you're our breadwinner. We need some material. So in a nutshell, they eventually convinced Smith and Tolhurst to get together. They recorded a, a demo, well, a, a single as a duo. I'm going to start off the show with that single right now. This is from 1982. This is The Cure, if you will. <laughs> We're going to have them here for the next couple hours. Hope you like them. This is Radio Free Nashville, WRFN, LP Pasquo. You're in Ghost Town. I am Creepy Steve.
Let's Go to Bed, The Cure. That's the single from 1982. Released as a duo at the time. Lowell Tolhurst and Robert Smith. Yes, Simon Gallup had left the band for a little while, but stay tuned. Something might change, as always does with The Cure. At least after a few years, they like to switch it up. Um, Let's Go to Bed became a minor hit in the UK. It reached number 44 on the singles chart. Uh, but it did reach a higher charting position in Australia and New Zealand, uh, entering the top 20 in those two markets. And uh, in 83, the next year, The Cure followed up with two more, even two even more successful songs. Um, their first synthesizer-based track, The Walk, which went to number 12, and The Love Cats, a uh, totally different sound for them, um, became the first uh, British top 10 hit, reaching number 7. So this was a big deal for them in their transitional uncertainty period. Um, definitely encouraging them to keep, uh, keep going as the cure. And, uh, they released these studio singles and their B-sides as the compilation Japanese Whispers. You're going to hear those two tracks here now, The Walk, and then an interview with, uh, Robert Smith and then Love Cats. After that, you're in Ghost Town with The Cure. I'm Creepy Steve. <laughs>
although you obviously record with uh, Steve Severin as the glove and are now a full-time banshee, of, as in Susie and the Banshees, most people are concerned about uh, your career with The Cure. And something I was wondering about, something I've read about in a couple of magazines, is the new single Love Cats is meant to be, now this might be a send-up or something, I don't know, uh, meant to be the last in a trio of fantasy singles. What is, what is that about, fantasy singles? It was just something that me and Lawrence decided to do um, late last year rather than continue in the vein that the cure had been pursuing last year. We decided to have a complete break and just make some singles, just for the fun of it, really. And, well, those, uh, the ones you've been making for the fun of it, have been the most successful today. Yep, just shows, hasn't it? Shows <laughs> something. We wanted to do a single to, to follow up Let's Go Out Bed in the Walk, but we wanted to do something very, very different. Mm -hmm. And I just had an idea for, for making a pretend jazz single. Um, we played in America earlier this year, a few, couple of months ago, and ended up playing a festival in France. So we booked some time in the Polydor studio in Paris and just went in there for five days and just really had a five-day party. And that's what came out of it.
That's The Cure from the compilation album Japanese Whispers, also released as a single. That was in 1984. Um, well, no, that was in 1983. My apologies. Um, in that same year, Smith was recording and touring with Susie and the Banshees on a live album and a studio album. And um, also he recorded an album with Banshees bassist Steve Severin, and they called themselves The Glove. And uh, Lowell had produced two singles in a debut and the debut album of English Band and also The Trees. So they were keeping busy, um, but got back together and did a Cure record. And, well, I shouldn't say they got back together. Actually, Lowell, Lowell was not even featured on that one. But uh, The Cure, as the name, put it out in 1984. And it was uh, it's called their psychedelic album. And uh, Smith actually played all of the instruments except except for the drums. Those were played by a guy named Andy Anderson. And then uh, old member Pearl Thompson from the early days returned as a saxophonist on the record. Um, this was the top ten hit in the UK and was their first studio single. I'm sorry, first studio album to break the Billboard top uh, 200 in the U.S. It reached 180, making progress. Um, this was received in mixed fashion by critics. Um, some people saw it as a nice departure from anything they've done before, and it, definitely anything they probably would do uh, from that period on. But um, some people write it off as just a transitional. They didn't know what they were doing, so they just threw together a bunch of crap and put it on a record. I don't know. I'm going to play three tracks. You tell me. Creepy Steve, hit me up. Facebook, Instagram, Ghost Town with Creepy Steve. This is Radio Free Nashville listening to The Cure. I guess I'll go ahead and start off with Bird Mad Girl. Yep, this is co-written with uh, Toll, so he had some, I guess, some writing on here. There you go.
is caterpillar the caterpillar from the album the top i've got one more for you off that record it's the cure in ghost town
Banana Fishbones, the cure off the album The Top. Their psychedelic record, as is noted. I'm going to catch up to speed here. They actually went on a, a tour upon the release of The Top and um, saw some lineup changes to help out with that tour. Um, I will... Well, th- let me note too, they released a live album called Concert, their first um, um, album of uh, live performances, and that was taken all from that tour. Um... The drummer became Boris Williams after the, the tour ended for the next record. Um, and you had uh, Paul Thompson hung on and um, a cure roadie named Gary Biddles apparently had brokered a reunion between Robert Smith and former bassist Simon Gallup. And uh, Gallup was playing in a band called Fool's Dance at the time. He and Smith reconciled and soon after, Smith asked him to rejoin the band. And he said, okay. And uh, he remains with them today. So I know that uh, Smith and everybody else was excited about it. He was happy to have a band again. They went on and recorded their next album, The Head on the Door. A fantastic Cure record. This might be my second favorite to pornography. I don't know. It's, a t- it's, it's between that and another one. We'll get to the other one in here in just a few. All right, here's the lead track in between days. Is that the lead track? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Why do I second-guess myself? I'm just going to go forward with it. Trust me. I'm Creepy Steve. It's the cure in Ghost Town.
Radio Free Nashville. Kicking it with the cure in Ghost Town and your pal Creepy Steve on an Easter Sunday. Hope it's going well. Hope you found all the eggs and all the other good stuff. Hope you found it. You just heard a few tracks off of uh, the Cure album, The Head on the Door. That was close to me. Before that, six different ways and starting it off in between days. What a fantastic record. In fact, it uh, reached number seven in the UK and was the band's first entry into the American Top 75, peaking at number 59. And uh, the international impact of the uh, the two singles off the album, In Between Days and Close to Me, was significant, um, which helped them land on that American chart. So making progress, The Cure, doing their thing back together as a, as a group, a uh, quintet, five. Did I get that correct? I think so. I think so. I don't know. Shoot me an email. GT at gmail.com. That's GT at gmail.com. Come on, Cure Nerds. Let me hear from you. Let me know if I don't play your favorite song, too. I'll, uh, I'll take your beating, and I'll hopefully squeeze it in the next time I'm on the air. Sound good? All right. Keeping it going with the head on the door. It's the Cure in Ghost Town. A night like this. For my pal Jason Wyatt. Here you go, buddy.
How's that for a smooth groove on a Sunday, on an Easter Sunday of all Sundays? That's the cure right there. Sinking the final track you'll hear today off of the Head on the Door record. And following this album and the world tour, the band released uh, a singles compilation called Standing on the Beach. And this was in 1986. It made the U.S. top 50 and saw the reissue of three singles, uh, Boys Don't Cry, Let's go to bed and Charlotte sometimes. Um, this was also accompanied by a VHS and laser disc called Staring at the Sea, which featured videos for each track on the comp. Uh, the band also toured in support of this compilation release and released a live concert VHS of the show. <laughs> it just kept snowballing. A live VHS concert of the VHS show, concert of the show, and uh, filmed uh, this in the south of France, called it The Cure in Orange. A busy year for the band and um, then in uh, the following year 1987 they released their next official studio album it was a double LP called kiss me kiss me kiss me and in future reference I'm just gonna say that once kiss me is the now <laughs> is the abbreviated name for this album moving forward in this program thank you for your support um, this album reached number six in the UK and in several other countries, it was in the top 10. And the band's first entry into the U.S. top 40 peaked at number 35. And it was certified platinum. 
Here's the song, The Kiss. It's The Cure in Ghost Town. This is Radio Free Nashville. I'm Creepy Steve. Thank you. 
WRFN LP Pasquo, you're hang- hanging in Ghost Town. I'm Creepy Steve here with you today, enjoying myself. Hope, hopefully, you're the you're in the same boat. You know, you just heard the song "Catch" off the Kiss Me record, and uh, this was apparently loosely based on a speech written by Sylvester Stallone for the film Rocky II, when uh, the character Adrian was in a coma, and he sat by her bed and. Read her this poem that he wrote, so there you go. That was the inspiration for that song. And after this album's release, the band did go on a successful tour. Um, during the European leg of which, apparently Lowell Tolhurst's alcohol consumption was interfering with his ability to perform, and the band would uh, often call upon psychedelic first keyboardist Roger O'Donnell to stand in for the guy. So that's unfortunate. But cool, they linked up with uh, the Psych Furs. It's another good band. We've uh, definitely seen them here in Ghost Town. I'm going to keep it going off the Kiss Me record. Why Can't I Be You?
great. I don't know. What, why? Is it the music, the image? Yeah, the lyrics. The lyrics, absolutely. Robert Smith writes the most beautiful songs. He's gorgeous. <laughs> Just everything about him. The music, the words. Very sexy. is the persona of Robert Smith because for the last six months every time that you see some little girl with a funny haircut she says when's Robert Smith coming in she doesn't say when is the cure coming in it's when's Robert Smith coming in I suppose it's it's just sort of developed over the years that um, I've become like a, a focal point I mean it's not something that that we try and play on but I mean the, the others encourage it because it means that they can stay in bed when I have to come and do this did it surprise you in the 80s where you achieve this pinup status without marketing without seeking it out without playing into it it just kind of happened that's why though <laughs> it's... did it surprise you then when you see all these other sort of pinups and then there's robert smith um it's difficult actually think, thinking back when when i sort of like changed direction after pornography and simon left the band and i got very fed up with being a kind of um, a dark icon i suppose i was i was aware for the first time with pornography that people were expecting me to keep pushing it and um so i thought i would have some fun i think the the balancing act that went on with me trying to like um was helped by the fact that i played in the banshees for for a year and a half and so i was still able to kind of be part of a, a kind of like not underground but like a darker scene so at the same time it was like so it was i think i was perceived as subverting rather than like embracing which helped looking back at the time, I was very blissfully unaware of that because I was out of my head most of the time.
Like Heaven, The Cure, in Ghost Town. Nice work, fellas. I have one more from the Kiss Me record. Hot, hot, hot. Radio Free Nashville.
Hot, hot, hot. Wrapping it up for the Kiss Me record. That's The Cure with you here in Ghost Town along with me, Creepy Steve. All right, moving into 89. The Cure released the album Disintegration, which was critically praised and became their highest charting album to date, entering at number three in the UK and featuring three top 30 singles in the UK and Germany. Here's one of them now.
Pictures of you with the cure from the album Disintegration. An international hit for sure. It went uh, to number 12 on the U.S. charts. And uh, the first single in the U.S., Fascination Street, reached number one on the American modern rock chart. But was quickly overshadowed when it released its third U.S. single. This went to number two on the American pop charts. And uh, the only Cure single to reach the U.S. Top 10. Here it is now in Ghost Town. 
biggest difference between this one and the Kiss Me album. The Kiss Me album was supposed to be almost like a retrospective in a way, even though it's, there was a lot of new stuff on it. The, the fact that it was a double album allowed us a lot of time to like, look back on different aspects of what The Cure had done. Whereas the new one is, um, it's very particular, has a very particular sound, has a very definite mood to it. The Kiss Me album was a bit more sort of kaleidoscopic really, and this one's very much a sort of a downbeat album, you know. It's very old style cure, really, the mood. Faith? It's, yeah, it's around the sort of the, um, the faith sort of sound, I suppose, if there is such a thing. It's very sort of big and um, atmospheric. There's a lot of string parts and low bass parts. There was more of a mixture on, on Kiss Me, because that was uh, sort of loads of different styles of songs. On this one, it's more um, a theme running through it, if you like. So back to the sort of the faith, or, or I mean, maybe not like... No, uh, it's not George Michael album. <laughs> <laughs> In a way, yeah. Uh, was, I mean, were you conscious of trying to make it different to other albums? Every Q album has been different. I mean, is that like something... It's not a conscious to... thing, is it? No, because if, if you start being conscious about it, then it becomes much, much too contrived, and you, you end up like... <laughs> it's, just, some... it's just the way that everybody's songs turned out. When we listened to them all, they all had that same kind of feel, so that's the way the album went. Who's writing this one? Everybody. It's a really, it's a sort of, uh, how was it done? It was just all together and just sort of jammed it together, or did they, were they sort of individual contributions? Everybody brought tapes along and just all listened to them and choose them. And the most depressing yeah. ones made it on the <laughs>
How's that for a badass track? Prayers for Rain off the Cure's disintegration record. And uh, during this time period, when they were in the studio recording the sessions for disintegration, the band gave Smith an ultimatum that either uh, Lowell Tolhurst would have to leave the band or they would. Um, so in February of 1989, Tolhurst's exit was made official, announced to the press. Um, this did result in uh, the psychedelic furs Roger O'Donnell becoming a full-fledged member of The Cure. He was all over the disintegration record. Apparently, Tolhurst was not on the record at all, though he was credited as a, uh, a random musician and, and uh, a co-songwriter. Apparently not on the record at all. Roger O'Donnell is playing the keys, synths, everything you're hearing. Uh, Smith attributed Tolhurst's dismissal to issues with alcohol. Just not able to exert himself, unfortunately. He's a founding member, so this left... Smith is the only remaining founding member of The Cure at this point for the first time. Fun facts. Not so fun. It's kind of sad, but it's an interesting fact. For sure. All right, continuing with Disintegration, I have... A couple more for you here. Here's another one of the top 30 tracks from this record. It's The Cure in Ghost Town, Radio Free Nashville. I'm Creepy Steve. I'm 
Lullaby, it's the cure from the Disintegration LP. They went on a big tour, a successful one. Saw them playing stadiums in the U.S. Um, this was... The band had mixed feelings about playing stadiums. I know it stressed out Robert Smith. After this tour, he was exhausted and took a break. Um, but it was a... It, I mean, they reached superstardom. I guess they never really intended for that. But they were writing pop songs, so it is what it is. You pick up momentum, you're a great band. People catch on. Next thing you know, you're playing stadiums, and you're also performing on the 1989 MTV Video Music Awards, which they performed just like heaven at the uh, Universal Amphitheater in L.A. And in May of 1990, uh, Roger O'Donnell, keyboard player, quit and was replaced by the band's guitar technician, Perry Bamati. And uh, November of that year, in 90, The Cure released a collection of remixes called Mixed Up. And in 91, we're awarded the Brit Award for Best British Group. So I wanted to squeeze all those tidbits in to show you where they were at at this point in their career. Really, uh, you know, peaking. Disintegration, yes, a great time for the band. Certainly overwhelming for somebody as shy as Robert Smith. He wears his heart on his sleeve, people. Comes out in the beautiful music that he and his band put out. I'm going to keep it going with some more of this said music. The last track I'm going to play off this disintegration. This is um, this this hit in the U.S. This is called Fascination Street. It's the Cure. This is Radio Free Nashville. I'm Creepy Steve.
Fascination Street, The Cure. And that's from Disintegration, the final track you'll hear today from that record. Um, they released the album Wish, and it went number one in the UK, and number two in the US, and yielded, and yielded the uh, international hits high in Friday I'm In Love. Uh, they went on their Wish tour and released uh, live albums called Show, that was in September of 1993, and also Paris in October of 93. Those are live albums. And uh, they did a promotional exercise with the Our Price music chain in the UK, a limited edition EP, was in fact released consisting of instrumental outtakes from the Wish sessions. It was entitled Lost Wishes, and the the proceeds from the four-track cassette tape went to charity. And then in 1993, the band were nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Alternative Music Album for Wish. How about that? Pretty cool. Uh, Getting near the end of the program, so I am going to wrap it up with the Wish record as the last one, but I want to give mentions to Wild Mood Swings, which was released in 96, and also the Grammy-nominated album Blood Flowers, released in 2000. And according to Smith, this album was the third of a trilogy, along with pornography and disintegration. Um, They embarked on a nine-month dream tour, which was attended by over one million people worldwide. And in 2001, they put out a greatest hits record. Uh, The following year in 2002, the band headlined 12 major summer music festivals and played three extended concerts, one in Brussels and two in Berlin, which they performed the the albums Pornography, Disintegration, and Blood Flowers in their respective entireties each night. Um, the Berlin por- performances uh, were, re- were released on DVD as the Cure Trilogy in 2003. All right, here's a track from Wish. It's high in Ghost Town, The Cure. I'm Creepy Steve.
Friday. I'm in love. The Cure from the Wish album. That's it, folks. I'm out of here. Creepy Steve leaving Ghost Town for this Easter Sunday. Enjoy it. Stay tuned for RFN Weekend with Matt the Prod Man. And I've got one more for you here. Last one from The Cure. It's from the Crow soundtrack. I'll play as much as I can. It's Burn. Enjoy it. Radio Free Nashville. <laughs> 